This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. At this time, joining us on this edition of the COVID Report, we are joined by Mr. Risenga Maluleke from Stats SA to give us more insight on South Africa's unemployment rate amidst this pandemic. Mr. Maluleke, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Could you please start by telling us exactly what it is that Statistics South Africa does? And furthermore, how you got around to calculating the official unemployment rate as it stands and how that number has changed pre-COVID versus during COVID? Uh, greetings, uh, game, and uh, let me thank you uh, for having allowed us some airwaves and indeed thank the listeners in this regard. The work of StatsSA is uh, understanding the livelihoods of our people in terms of numbers and indeed following people from the time they are born and until the time they, they leave this world and also the activities of entities as such as business in South Africa. For example, when uh, people are born, we need to get the records from home affairs and inform South Africans how many children are born. When they go to school, South Africa needs to know how many children are of school going age, of, at what age levels are they. When people finish school and they work, we need to talk about their employment conditions, whether they're employed or unemployed. When they get married, we need to talk about marriages and divorces. And when they earn salaries, we need to know uh, the uh, uh, earnings as well as expenditure. What are the expenditure patterns? And when they work for firms and firms start producing goods, uh, we need to inform South Africans what is happening to the economy. And indeed, when people pass on, you know, we have the causes of death report. We need to inform South Africans what is taking the lives of South Africans. So we are there from beginning to end. Eye-opening stuff. Now, what is the difference between the official and the expanded unemployment rate on the difference? For starters, the official definition derives its standing from what we call the narrow definition of uh, unemployment. And this is, uh, these guidelines are given across to uh, countries of the world by the International Labour Organization, ILO. What the narrow definition, which in our case is the official headline unemployment rate, uh, looks at, it looks at people who are actively looking for employment and who would have taken up employment if such employment became available. So the whole uh, uh, crux of the matter here is people have to be actively looking for employment. So if for whatever reason I'm not actively looking for employment and I'm uh, uh, seated at home, even if I would take up employment, I do, not, uh, I do not form part of the official or the narrow definition, which is our official headline uh, uh, rate. Now, if we look, uh, for example, uh, in terms of the quarter that we are reporting on, it occurred during the lockdown. So there were lesser numbers uh, of people who were actively looking for employment because people were seated at home uh, and, and they couldn't move because of the lockdown. And that is the defining issue. Uh, so that's what we look at. Whereas the expanded definition, we include the discouraged work seeker as well as uh, people who didn't look for employment but would have taken employment had it been available. So let us come to put it in context uh, again. Uh, in the first quarter of uh, 2020, 
we had 7.1 million people actively looking for uh, employment and uh, and they didn't uh, they were not they were not uh, employed at the time that is why we had an unemployment rate of 30.1% but during the lockdown we had only 4.3 million people actively looking for employment and for that reason our unemployment declined to 23.3%. Indeed. Could you please take me through the criteria that you use when capturing changes brought about by the national lockdown and trying to gather all of this information that forms part of your statistics? And also, could you also take us through, in accordance to the research that you conducted, which province had the largest increase in unemployment rates? And was this solely due to the COVID-19 pandemic? For starters, uh, we conduct surveys, what we call sample surveys, but uh, we don't relate to them as such as research because we do not focus on researching a particular problem or a particular challenge. Our numbers should be used by researchers who want to uh, respond to policy questions as well as to research narrative in a particular direction. Now, what we did, which is different from previous quarters, uh, was that in previous quarters, we could readily reach members of the society and talk to them in person. So our field workers had to be there in person. But during the lockdown, uh, the prescripts of the lockdown said there should be no movement. People should not be moving up and down. So what we did is we looked at uh, our field workers having to work from home using what we call computer-assisted personal interviews as opposed to being there in person. So they did this remotely. And we could only reach out to people whose telephone numbers we had been able to collect previously during our surveys. And I must say that the, the people who had the telephone numbers were only accounting for about 62.5% of our regular a household sam- a sample survey. We usually look at about 30,000 households and uh, we use a term dwelling un- units because we visit people where they stay. And in one dwelling unit, you could have sometimes two households. Now, in this regard, when we used the telephones, uh, we had in the excess of uh, 17 million, closer to 18 million, uh, no, no, 18,000, my apologies, 18,000 dwelling units that we could reach to, and they accounted for about uh, 62.5%. Now, in this regard, these are the people that we could reach out. Now, it would have created a bias because then you would say, what about those people who do not have uh, uh, telephones to reach them on? So we had to go back to the first quarter of 2020 and look at the patterns in which Uh, our respondents had dealt with uh, questions that were presented to them in person. And in that case, using historic data, we were able to eliminate the bias so that we are not uh, only reporting for those who have telephones. And that is done uh, along those ways across the world, as you would have known that different nations had faced uh, different lockdown stages at different times. Now, having said that, and we had to look at our response rates as well. And our response rates were relatively high um, uh, in some levels reaching as far as 86%. Uh, now that gave us comfort to publish the numbers. 
But you will know that we delayed the numbers twice for purposes of what we uh, call data confrontation in, in, in mathematical terms to be able to unpack the numbers so that they can make sense. Now, the provinces that are uh, the province that has the highest unemployment rate generally is the Eastern Cape, even before COVID, and indeed, even during COVID, it remained the one with the highest unemployment rate sitting at about 36.9, almost 37% on the official definition. On the expanded definition, the Eastern Cape went as far as 52.8%. But let me mention that generally your rural provinces tend to have a larger expanded unemployment rate because people live far away from city centers and they get discouraged when they have looked for employment and they don't get employed, employed. And that it accounts for making the expanded definition a lot more wider. Now, given the current circumstance that this pandemic has put us in, not just here in South Africa, but all across the world, and the ways in which the circumstance has forced certain um, companies and certain businesses to cut back on their financial uh, commitments, which results in employees facing salary reductions. Is there any relationship between the level of education one would have and the reduction in pay or salary? Firstly, game. let us uh, accept that, uh, and you have put this point across, that the COVID-19 pandemic didn't only affect South Africa. It has affected every aspect and every facet of life the world over. And indeed, in this regard, when we look at uh, South Africa, for example, because people could not work uh, from their workplaces, especially at alert level, uh, Five only 58.1% of the people uh, were expected to work firstly before we uh, talk about where they worked from. But when we look at where they worked from, the uh, professionals and te- uh, technicians and managers who have the facilities to work from home could work from home. But the majority of the people, especially in elementary job categories, as well as in uh, who work in households, in agriculture, on the farms, they needed to be there in person. And uh, when we look at the issue of uh, salaries, indeed, uh, uh, there were effects on the, on the side of salaries. About 17%, 17.6% didn't receive salaries. Uh, there are many reasons. Some of them is because uh, their employment contracts are based on them billing certain hours. Uh, when they are at work and when they are not at work, they are not able to build those hours. Some are paid on the basis of uh, uh, work if work is not performed. And indeed, uh, businesses in another survey had indicated to us that they are actually struggling. Only about uh, 10% of the businesses during the lockdown were able to meet their regular uh, uh, turnover. And uh, 90% uh, were not able to meet their regular uh, turnover. And in this regard, people who received salaries were only 81.3%. But not only that, out of those who received salaries, only 78.9% received their full salary. About 21.1% received a reduced salary. So indeed, there was an impact on salaries in that some people didn't receive salaries at all. But even those who received salaries, about uh, 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 21% of them did not receive full salaries. 
a very grim picture that you paint of the reality that we all face, Mr. Manuleke. Now, with the unemployment data showing the country could be worse off than at the end of 2019, can we expect things to get much worse before they get better? Uh, For starters game, we as statisticians do not speculate. We cannot say how unemployment uh, or the economy will look like in the next five years. For example, if we had started uh, forecasting ahead, uh, we would not, uh, let's assume we we did forecast just in June last year, that the economy would grow, unemployment would go down and the like, we would have gotten it wrong because we would not have known that COVID-19 would be by us by this year. So what we do is we measure, and once we have measured, we inform the nation. So on, in this one, in, as regards whether unemployment will uh, go become worse before it improves, it's not a, a matter that we can comment as statistics. Not only us, no statistician in official practice can speculate like that. So uh, we are uh, measuring, and regularly from time to time, uh, every quarter, as we have just concluded the third quarter of 2020, we will be coming back to inform the nation through media houses like yourself. So our job is to measure and inform the nation. We can't forecast or speculate how unemployment will look like. And that is the first thing. The second issue, I want to go back to this issue of the COVID-19 environment, as we know that it has affected every nation. What we have seen in South Africa, where we had declining numbers of employed, uh, employment, those that are employed declining, as well as those that are unemployed declining, and all of those people moving into the not economically active uh, category. It's not a phenomenon that affect, affected South Africa alone. All countries of the world have been affected by this. Only two countries didn't show such and those are the United States and Canada. But otherwise, every country that has uh, availed their data to the International Labor Organization, as reported and published by the ILO, has seen similar phenomenon like South Africa. So after we acknowledge the seriousness of this issue, and after we, we come to terms with the urgency with which this issue needs to be addressed, how can youth unemployment be urgently addressed and responded to? Are there any comprehensive strategies that need to be focused on in order to expand employment in South Africa, especially with everything that this current climate has shown us? Uh, Firstly, Game, let me indicate that uh, youth and women, particularly Black African women, are vulnerable to labor markets. The unemployment rate of uh, young people, especially those aged 15 to 24 years, is at all times high, but not only that, uh, we have a large number of those aged 15 to 24 years that are not in education, uh, are not in employment, education, or training. We usually have about 3.3 million of uh, uh, young people aged 15 to 24 who just wake up every day. They have nowhere to go. They are not in academic institutions. They are not in learning institutions, and indeed, they are not in employment. Having said that, one of the things that Statsa cannot do is to suggest what needs to be done by policymakers to address the challenges that we see or that we report on in society. 
And there are reasons for that. If we start informing uh, policymakers or guiding them as to the kind of policy choices of what could be done to alleviate the unemployment uh, challenge. And uh, uh, it happens that when we go and me measure, our data takes an, or brings another picture, we will shy away from releasing such numbers. And any statistician in official practice who shies away from releasing the numbers, they have lost their independence. Stetsa say is supposed to be independent from the policy space. And as such, we cannot double into that space. We leave it to policymakers. We make the data available. And indeed, this data is made without a, a preference. We make data available to members of the public in as much as we make it to policymakers. So I report to the minister in the presidency, Minister Jackson Tembu, as statistician general, but he doesn't receive numbers before. Neither does the president nor any political party in the form of the DA, the ANC or the EFF, uh, the IFP or uh, uh, UDM can receive numbers upfront. Uh, members of the public and indeed our entire nations, including policymakers, including parliament, are briefed of the numbers at the same time. And we use media houses like yourselves to reach out to uh, the public. Now, finally, from me, Mr. Maluleke, as far as our conversation is concerned, we have seen a lot of opportunities that come up focused more on youth between the ages of 18 and 35. My question to you is what happens to the group aged between the ages of 36 and 55? Do they form part of the 2.2 million unemployed? And what is being done to ensure that this group also receives opportunities? Let me mention a game that our job is to make numbers available. And I know there are challenges for policymakers when you always have certain categories or age categories or certain salary band categories that do not fall within the space a policymakers want to capture them. Our job is to make numbers available. So in the first uh, case, amongst the 2.2 million who fell by the wayside from the side of being employed and fell, uh, the majority of them were uh, not young people. Uh, while young people in their own category are affected by unemployment as are uh, women, particularly black African women. In this case, they were not necessarily uh, young people because as I've indicated, uh, the majority of young people are not in employment, education or training. And therefore the majority of people who are employed are those that are in those age categories of beyond 24 years. What we do is we look at people for international comparisons from 15 to 24 years. But uh, youth formations in the country have interest for those aged 15 to uh, 35 years. So we also report on them. But the majority of them are, are in the category of not in employment, education, and training. For example, those aged 15 to 35, 34 years, we have about 8 million of those generally, regularly. We usually have about 8 million of those not in employment, education, or training. And therefore, in this 2.2 million, we are talking about people who had previously been employed, and the majority of them are in that age category going beyond 35 all the way to 64. We've just been joined by Mr. Risenga Maluleke from Stats SA, that is Statistics South Africa, for those of you who aren't 
fans of shortened things. Talking us through the ways in which South Africa has been pairing itself toward the unemployment crisis that was exacerbated by the advent of the COVID-19 pandemic. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1 or stream via www.varfm.co.za.